Good morning, 99. Krista here. I am so honored to continue our collection that we're in called The Symbols of Christ. Last week, Mickey covered the cross, and this morning we'll be talking about the grave. Now, this morning, I want to focus on a particular day called Holy Saturday. Now, have you heard of Holy Saturday? Most of us probably haven't, and that's because it's not a very widely celebrated or recognized day in our Christian faith. We all know about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. As Christians, we love the story of the crucifixion. We love the story of the resurrection. And so on Friday, Good Friday, we fast. We remember Jesus' crucifixion. We attend Good Friday service. It's a very somber day in our faith. And then we hop, skip over to Resurrection Sunday, a.k.a. Easter. We dress in our Sunday best. We invite our friends and our family. We have an amazing Sunday Easter service. We have Easter egg hunts. We have meals with family and friends. It's a very big day for us. But between that, Saturday gets skipped. There's absolutely nothing we really do on that day. There are no major traditions for that day. And the question today is, I want to ask is why? Why don't we talk about this day of grief and of mourning, this one day where Jesus laid in the tomb in silence? Holy Saturday is also known as Silent Saturday. Now we have to pause here, and I think it's really important that we recognize this important day because there's a reason why Jesus didn't just resurrect straight out of the cross from the cross after dying in front of everyone he could have done that but why did he choose to go to the grave why did he spend time there and let's talk about that this morning so before we begin would you join with me in prayer let's pray jesus we thank you we love you out of love you gave us silent Saturday, the day between the struggle and the solution, between the prayer and the answer, between the promise and the fulfillment, between the finite and the infinite. So many of us find ourselves in that in-between place today. God, would you meet us in the silence? Help us to not be frustrated or afraid, bound by words, speech, or concept. We completely surrender ourselves to you. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So now, what is Holy Saturday? What is this silent Saturday? Scott Erickson, an amazing artist, he created this art piece, and he describes Holy Saturday like this. Holy Saturday is the day we meditate on the silence of the tomb, the silence of loss, the silence of absence, the silence of graves that our loved ones lay in, and one day we will too. Oof. Silence is tough. It's a very heavy thing. And, you know, for me personally, I like to think of myself as this, like, very chill, contemplative person. But if I'm being honest, like, if I'm being real with you, I know that I am an extremely overstimulated, toxically overstimulated person. You know, I'm an extrovert for one. So being alone literally sucks the life out of me baseline. And then on top of that, um, 
when I'm alone, I have to have some sort of music, some sort of background noise on at all times. And so I play music while I'm working. I have an audiobook on while I'm walking. I usually play a podcast while I'm driving. I'm on Instagram when I'm in the bathroom, Netflix while I shower, I read the news in the morning. Rarely am I just alone or silent. And you know, living in San Francisco, we know that when we step outside our door, there's rarely a silent moment out there too. Now, tell me alone, tell me that I'm not alone in this. Can we admit that we are a toxically overstimulated people? or at least that we live in a toxically overstimulating world. In the book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Ruth Haley Barton talks about how the practice of solitude and silence are radical because they challenge us on every single level of our existence. If you think about it, just even on a cultural level, in Western culture, um, we frown upon unproductive time for just being or listening beyond human effort or thought. Rarely in our culture do we see silence viewed in a positive light. You hear phrases like, silence is violence, break the silence, speak up, use your voice. Um, in human relationships, we don't like silence or solitude because it tears us away from relationships for a time so that we can give undivided attention to God. Even on a soul level, in silence, we become very aware of the inner dynamics that we've been able to avoid by keeping ourselves noisy and busy. Um, in our mind, we're perpetually busy trying to control and figure things out, find answers. We work endlessly to put everything in categories, boxes, and systems of thought. We even put God in a category and uh, box him there in our minds rather than allowing him to be God in all of our lives. And even in the church, you know, it's filled with noise, with sound, with music, with singing, with sermons, with prayer, with talking in community groups. There's no wonder that silence freaks us out. It's something that we're not comfortable or feel very natural in. And so I think on a deeper level, silence reminds us of things that we want to run away from or that we want to keep at bay. Silence at times even reminds us of death mortality itself. One of the most silent places in our lives is the grave. Uh, when you go to a funeral service, a memorial or burial service, voices are hushed or completely silent. We often hear, you know, let's take a moment of silence to remember lives lost. And so, you know, as a pastor, I often hear people who are struggling say, God is silent, God is distant, um, and they're in a state of despair when they're saying this or feeling some type of negative way. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in that space, we jump to conclusions like, is God angry? Did I do something wrong? Why isn't he speaking? Why isn't he moving? Why isn't he working? Where is he? He's not here. He's abandoned me. And, you know, I don't blame us for thinking in this type of way. It's very natural. We base it on our human relationships and our human experience. But the good news today is that God does love us. He knows these things about us and about our apprehension and struggle with silence. And so why is there a silent Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday? What was God's plan in all this? 
if you go to our scripture today, it's in all four gospel accounts. Today, we're going to focus on Luke 23, 50 through 56. It says, and this has happened right after Jesus is crucified. Um, now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action and was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb, cut in stone, where no one ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments, on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. And so in bullet points, Jesus' body is brought down from the cross. He's wrapped. He's placed in this tomb. His body stays there all day Saturday. And no one visits him. No one's there. It's a silent Saturday. But the day before that and the day after that are not so silent. On Friday, it is dramatic good friday jesus is crucified the sun is blocked out scripture says jesus he yells his last words from the cross the curtain in the temple is torn jesus dies and is buried and then sunday is even more dramatic <laughs> angels show up on scene jesus literally resurrects from the dead and as Christians, we go hard on this day. We celebrate hard. And so why is there a day of silence in between? Scripture shows us again and again and again that silence really matters to God. It is very significant. It's a place where he meets us. If you look at Isaiah 41, 11, it says, God says, listen to me in silence. Psalm 62, 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. Even in the beginning creation story in Genesis 1, 2, all creation is, it's called creatio ex nihilo. From a trackless waste and an empty void, it all came. So over this darkness, this stillness, this silence, God's spirit hovered, and then there was light, and the rest of creation was created too. And so Richard Rohr talks about creatio ex nihilo and says, so there must be something pregnant, waiting and wonderful in such voids of darkness. God's ongoing and maybe only job description seems to be to create out of nothing. We call it grace. What if God is actually speaking to us in the silence that we dread and that we fear in a way that's beyond words beyond concept, or a way that can be categorically known or defined. As Thomas Merton puts it, what if the deepest level of communication with God isn't communication itself, but communion, simply dwelling in his presence? 
Is it possible that the void of emptiness we feel in this life is actually like Genesis 2, creatio ex nihilo, or like the Saturday at the grave where Christ's body lay silent in the tomb, where the void and the tomb are actually pregnant with new creation? Could we learn to not fear silence in our lives, but find, experience, and treasure God's presence in it. Doesn't that sound great? Come on. I sense that some of us today, this is the breakthrough that we need. I know I do. For too long, we've been bent towards hearing and receiving revelations from God in these loud and exhilarating, powerful ways. You know, those moments where your emotions run high, you have chills running up and down your spine, and the atmosphere just feels so electric with his presence. Usually, it's a time where we're surrounded by a lot of other Christians, other believers who are feeling the same thing too. And, you know, trust me, I get it. Those moments, they're great. And I love it too when God moves in those spectacular, powerful ways. Um, recently some of us were talking at 99 I was talking with some people who had recently joined our community and mentioned they mentioned one thing that drew them to 99 was our worship culture and they were talking about how when they first came they noticed that people at our church they weren't just singing the songs but that they were actually truly engaging with God in this heartfelt worship And personally, you know, as a pastor, I take that as like a huge honor, as a compliment. Like, I love hearing that because we're a pretty small church. We don't have like big production or lights or an expensive sound system or a fog machine, you know, the things that usually get a crowd lit. It's very simple setup. But to hear, you know, that our people, their hearts are on fire for God. And that's something that is recognizable to people who walk in. Um, It's so amazing to hear that. But then it also got me to thinking, you know, isn't it easy for us to go from church to church or, you know, whatever Christian experience it may be and compare our God experiences from one to the other? You know, Mickey and I for sure know that we're guilty of that. You know, when you sit through a service or or like a revival service or whatever it might be, and at the end, usually Mickey and I will be walking back to our car and ask, you know, how was it for you? Usually the response will be like, it was okay, or like, it was, it was good, or, you know, if it was like really good, it's like, oh my God, it was so good, and, you know, don't get me wrong, it's good to have your own opinion, it's good to have your preferences, and to know um, what lights a spark in your heart, and to recognize those moments where God meets you in those powerful ways, but it can be a loss when we limit God's presence in our lives based on what we like, what we don't like, Um, or even compare it to the old ways that we've seen him move in our lives. If we do that, the question we have to ask is, are we truly searching and seeking out God himself? Or are we chasing after an experience? We've got to allow him to be free to be God in every area of our lives, in the loud noises, the loud moments, and also in the silence. And for others of us, we get so caught up in intellectual talking, like intellectual discussions about God, about the things of God, that we forget that our words about God are not the actual reality of God himself. Ruth Haley Barton likens our God talk to being like the finger that points to the moon. She says, the finger that points to the moon is not the moon. Pointing to the moon, 
talking about the moon, involving ourselves in study and explanation about how the light of the moon is generated is not the same thing as sitting in moonlight, letting moonbeams fall around us, illuminating what they will. It is not the same thing as noticing how everything is transformed in this numinous light. When we sit in the light of the moon, we don't try to figure it out, explain it, or force it to be anything other than what it is. We just enjoy sitting in the midst of it. It's like human relationships. Thinking of and knowing a lot about someone from afar isn't the same thing as being in their presence. You know, recently, one of my sisters um, became obsessed with BTS, like crazy obsessed. They're this famous boy band from Korea, and like literally just overnight this happened. And apparently this is a phenomenon that has been sweeping through the entire world. (laughs) And so she is constantly sending BTS facts and tracks and videos in our sister thread. Um, She's listened to all their songs. She's created these playlists that she's sharing with me. Um, She knows their life stories. She watches every show they're on. She recently had a BTS-themed sleepover party with her friends. I thought that was so cute. Um, But God bless her soul. You know, her relationship to BTS is so different from the friends of those BTS guys who know them on a personal level. Those who know who they are on and off stage, what's it like to be in friendship with them. And Ruth Haley Barton says, the intellect can set the stage, but cannot provide the drama of true encounter. And Jesus himself talks about this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, when he talks about how the drama of loving encounter doesn't start first in the mind, but in your heart and your soul. Scripture says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You know, at a surface level, church and religion is noise. It's words. It's entertainment. But Psalm 46.10 says that there's a kind of knowing that comes in silence and not in words. But first, we have to be still. And the Hebrew word for be still here literally means let go of your grip. We have to give up our striving at the level of human effort so that we can open ourselves to a whole new kind of knowing. Richard Rohr calls this as act as entering into the house of wisdom. This is the very heart of prayer. It's a level of knowing that many people call spiritual intelligence or even the mind of Christ, as described in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. So how do we do this? How do we enter into this level of spiritual maturity? Well, if we build moments of silence and solitude into our spiritual rhythm, we won't be afraid or confused or as distracted when we experience those moments of silence in our lives. And we'll actually grow to appreciate and to bask and to experience just the beauty of God's presence in it. And so today, I want to introduce a couple of ways that we can do this. Um, These are different rhythms that Mickey and I have also incorporated into our own lives here at home and in our family. 
So the first one comes from a book by Peter Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. And he talks about breath prayer. And so this is all from that book. I highly recommend it. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. And this helps us when we feel distracted and we want to be silent and still before God. And now the main difference between this type of Christian meditation and all other types of meditations is that we're not attempting to empty our mind um, into nothingness or to achieve a state of altered consciousness. But in this practice, we're focusing our mind on God and spending time in his presence. In silence, we're communing with the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. And so we're going to start off by spending two minutes every day in silence. And you want to aim to increase that to five or ten or twenty or as long as you need. And if your mind wanders, you just want to redirect your attention to breathing, inhaling, and exhaling as gifts from God. Focus on a word or a phrase to refocus your thoughts on Jesus. You could say, God, you're here with me. God, you're here with me. Or you could say, I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. Just use those phrases to redirect your mind to God. Uh, Ways that we can grow in this practice is one fun way is to light a candle if you have a candle at home. Um, Fire, it represents Christ's presence with you. In Acts 2, Holy Spirit rested on the heads of the apostles as tongues of fire. And so the flame is a Christian symbol of Jesus' ongoing presence with us through Holy Spirit. You could use a timer so you're not distracted by having to check how long it's been or how much time you've spent. Um, You could also highly encourage you to meditate, memorize, or study scripture um, before or after this time of silence. It will really help uh, your time with God become so much richer. Now, a couple of things you might be asking is, you know, what if you don't hear God speak? Uh, Something that's really important to remember is that the goal of This time isn't necessarily to hear from God, but to just be with him. And this practice should help us have a greater awareness of him throughout the day. And it'll also, you know, help us feel more centered, less triggered. It'll give us a deeper sense of peace in our lives. And as you do this, don't feel rushed. Don't feel pressured. Um, The goal of this isn't to get through this time um, that you set aside for silence, Um, The aim is just to be with Jesus with whatever time you have. And so if it helps to put it on your calendar, you could do that. Or if you just find that you have time, you know, while you're heading home from the grocery store or right after work before dinner, feel free to just use that time as well. Um, And, you know, I think for this, it's something that's going to take practice because it's easy to be bored and unmotivated at first, but getting started is definitely the hardest part, Um, and we talked about this earlier. It really is a countercultural experience, spending time in silence and solitude before God, Uh, but there's a great deal to learn about the interior movements of our heart in our silence with God. And so once you get this rhythm down, trust me, chances are you'll wonder how you ever lived without it. 
another very easy way to spend time in silence and solitude with the Lord is this app. Of course, it's called the One Minute Pause app, and it's based off the teachings of John Eldridge. Um, it's an audio meditation app, and so it takes you through breath prayer, and it helps you release everything to God. It restores your union with him. It helps you to invite him to fill you, and there's like a one-minute, three-minute, five-minute, ten-minute meditation pause. Now with this app, you can use it at any time, but I personally find that it's useful when I sprinkle it throughout the day. So before or after meetings, starting or ending projects, you just can literally just put your hands down on your table or on your lap, press play on the app, close your eyes, and go through the meditation prayer before moving on to the next thing. And so highly encourage you to check those two resources out. Um, and to build this rhythm of silence and solitude in your life. And so I just want to actually close our time this morning together um, with a moment of silence and solitude and lead us through a meditation prayer by Ruth Haley Barton in her book, An Invitation to Solitude and Silence. So go ahead and get comfortable. Close your eyes. Um, This is the most important moment of our time spent together today where we're shifting from being the finger that points to the moon to engaging with God himself. So go ahead and get comfortable. Close your eyes. um, Relax. And let's just take three deep breaths together. Give you a moment to get comfortable. All right. So let's inhale. Exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Go ahead and relax your shoulders. Unclench your jaw. Now, as you silence the music of your life, is there anything that is hurting these days? Any grief you've been holding in? It can be big or small. A hurtful interaction with someone who matters to you or being left out of something you wanted to be included in. Or you might just be feeling the heaviness of what's been happening in our world today or in your own personal life. Allow whatever is weighing on your soul right now to come to the surface, whether it seems big or small. Let yourself experience the grief, but do so with the awareness that you're not alone. You are in the presence of the one who loves you and bears your grief with you. Notice whether your body wants to express the grief through kneeling, lying flat on the floor, 
shedding tears, letting out a big sigh, or sitting in utter silence and allow that to happen. You may want to use these words as your prayer. In silence, my soul waits for you alone, O God. From you alone comes my salvation. Is there something you are feeling especially grateful for these days? Where are you experiencing life and authentic connection with God and with others? Allow time to just experience your gratitude and God's presence. Don't feel you have to do anything except bask in the goodness of God towards you. If you wanna say anything to God or journal your thoughts, Feel free to do so, but you don't feel have to feel that you have to. I'd like to close our time with a prayer from one of my favorite liturgists, Cole Arthur Riley from Black Liturgies. Let's pray. God who stays, it is difficult to believe that there is love in your silence. We have been conditioned by a world which tends to use its voice on behalf of the powerful and ignore the marginalized. So when we hear silence from you, it can feel like abandonment. Keep us from believing the lie that you have left us. Restore our experiences of silence, that it might be a space of rest and healing for us. That we would know that the presence of God is not confined to sound or silence, but that the holy God dwells within both in unique ways. And as we're tempted to believe our faith is impoverished for not always hearing you, help us to experience intimacy and tenderness that is the holy quiet of you. That we would believe in a kind of silence that isn't punishment or neglect, but a presence that is so close to our pain, you refuse to rush to words when what we most need is space to be still and heal. Now, church, inhale and repeat after me. God has not left me. And exhale, I will rest in this silence. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen.